right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty and Matt Tate today, but flip-flop. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports will join us at 340. Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World will join us about 435 here. And uh, we got plenty of KU basketball, some KU football talk, audio to get to you throughout the show today. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. You can also bet on Maction tonight. There's no NBA or NFL games going on tonight. Three Mac games. So Maction? Yeah. Eastern Michigan, Akron, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, and uh, Ball State, Toledo. I feel like love, every love Mac some, school is in State. the state of Ohio. That's not true. I, that's there's just the way like, I feel. There's only like three Mac schools in the state of Ohio. Ohio, Miami of Ohio. And Toledo. Isn't Toledo in Ohio? Isn't yes. Ball State in Ohio? No, no that's Indiana, Ball State's isn't it? in Indiana. Is Kent State in Ohio? Yes. Okay, that's four. Isn't okay, Bowling four. Green? No, that's Kentucky. Bowling Green's in Kentucky. Although uh, there is a Bowling Green, Ohio. Oh, There's Ohio of Ohio. What about them? What? I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can vote on that. Or not vote. Well, yeah, you should vote today because it is voting day. Yeah, well, huge news. You can bet election on that day. as well. I wonder if they have betting lines on the election stuff going on. I could you really I, involved. I doubt they do on the... That's a little too far for betting. me to go, you know. But hey, do you. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. So before we get into this uh, KU Omaha recap, KU winning 89-64 last night. Nick, uh, who'd you vote for? Who did I vote for? Yeah. Take me through your ballot. I voted for the right one. (laughs) All right. Good answer. I voted for the, I I don't know. Uh. I will Derek, just you can't say this. Disclose who you're supposed to vote for. I'll vote. I'll, I'll say who I voted for in one of the things. Also, Actually, I, I don't even I know say if I, I voted. Do that. When I say that I voted for the right one, I don't mean literally the right. Mm. I mean like whichever one's going to win. And what do you mean I by mean. one? Because like for the the gubernatorial, is that what they say? Gubernatorial. Race, gubernatorial. No, no. You're voting for two people on the ticket. So did you not vote on that? No, because if are you, you saying vote you for, skipped out on no, you on your duties? One, it's both. <laughs> no, but um, I voted in favor of Maxion, and I was did, okay. Rewarded. This is probably a little. I don't know. I I probably shouldn't share this, but whatever. I've already dug the hole to to start sharing it. Uh, there was one vote where somebody is running unopposed, 
So it's okay. not that I'm voting against that person, you write but that somebody? person is going to win. So I just wrote in someone to be fun. Okay. And that person may or may well, not like be the a, head coach like, of the Kansas football team. <laughs> well, that's like the that's like uh, every every election, every presidential election, Mickey Mouse gets like two million <laughs> right, votes. Right, right, right. Like I, I wouldn't have done that if the, if it weren't running like unopposed, but they were, and it's it's not. I, I don't have anything like against the candidate. I just the person's gonna win, so I just thought it would be funny to do that anyway. Um, they might not win. I don't know. Maybe somebody's gonna think I'm like a horrible person now. Uh, doesn't matter. KU takes down Omaha, eighty-nine to sixty-four last night. It was a game that KU kind of held them at, at arms bay between like ten to fifteen points, and then Omaha kind of got crept a little closer, got it to within seven, and then there was that awesome run in the second half, and they pulled away and won from there. I'll say this: like this is something I noticed from from me at the game, and, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the hype from the football season has carried over into basketball. Like we hear that all the time from coaches. I don't know if it was, you just won a national title. And so, you know, there's extra hype in the building for that. Maybe it was, they were giving out the wood planks of the final four. So it got a better crowd attendance, whatever it was. Most of the time for the first like home game of the season, when KU was playing some team that they're going to beat like by 20, 25 points, it's like a, it's, it, it's always a good crowd at Allen Field. It's always sold but there's, out. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's always sold out, and it's always you know providing energy at certain points. But there's a certain lull that happens over the course of some of those games where it just kind of gets, you know, a little, a little it's like, easier. It's like a, it's like a baseball game. Yeah, you know, so people yeah, are there, yeah, yeah. but they're like, you know, no, it's like oh, we're up seventeen. Like, do I really need to, yeah. you know, chant defense yeah, on, on this trip? Right. Yeah, we're up, we're up four in the bottom of the fifth. Yeah, like, that man. that crowd last night was was. <clears throat> And I haven't been around KU for, you know, I'm not a KU historian or anything, but that was the loudest I've heard a crowd over the course of a game and deep into the second half of an opening home game against like a bad team. I know there's a lot of like qualifiers there, but that, that crowd energy was great. <laughs> and Grady Dick, the hype is real. I mean, he's awesome. I, I, I don't want to like overextend the boundaries here because we've seen other players in their first KU game do really awesome things, and then there are a lot of ups and downs over the course of the season. Like, you just think back to Quentin Grimes a couple of years ago when he hits six threes in the Champions Classic and had an up-and-down season, ended up transferring away. Like, Josh Selby, I know it wasn't the first game, but his first game when he came back from uh, the suspension or injury, or I can't remember what it was, it dropped, you know, big game against USC, um, but that didn't end up really working out into some of the rest of the season. So, there have been other guys who have had good first games, and that has led to good end of the season. My point is that it's not necessarily directional to say if you play well in the first game as a freshman, it automatically means that, yeah, you're ready for the college game. It doesn't. But now this is two games, if you count the exhibition for Grady Dick, where he's scored 20 or more points. And just like, it's one of those things where it's not, hey, Quentin Grimes just happened to get hot for a night. We, we, we know Grady Dick is a good shooter, so him shooting well is not like a an aberration to his game. And the way that it looked where he is just – like there were a couple open threes. There were also a couple threes that – they weren't like super tightly contested where he's having to shoot like a fadeaway three, but pretty well contested, but it doesn't matter because he just shoots the ball so high and has so much confidence going forward with it. That is going to carry over this season. The Grady Dick hype. I, I'm in on it. It's real. You buying? I'm I'm buying. You buying in? Mm-hmm. How about his defense though? He also deflected a lot of passes and was like pretty aggressive on defense, which mm-hmm. is obviously something that you'll need to do if you're going to play for Bill Self, right? You can't just 
you can't just roll in generally and just be only a score and nothing else. And then, you know, that doesn't, those, those types of guys normally don't uh, flourish as much under self, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And I, I'm, I'm buying in too. And, and obviously, the, the crowd was loving it for various reasons. So, uh, it's, it's really exciting. And yeah, on a and, night that KU gave out a bunch of wood, Dick was the big storyline. Yes. I won't do that ever again this year. Okay. I just had to get one out. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad you got it out of your system. Is there a chance that Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, that those are like two of the best, like three or five players in the Big 12 this year? Yes. The thing, Absolutely. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where when you say it, it's like, it's easy to make that throwaway line of like, oh, we have two of the top whatever. Like, I, I do that all the time with receivers where it's like, oh, he's a top five receiver. He's a top 10 receiver. <laughs> and then you start like listing out the receivers and you're like, and man, you like there's a lot of good receivers, 15 right? 15 guys. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Baylor has, you know, these, these really good players. And then it's like, you, oh, Texas has it. And, you know, you start going down the line and it's like, eh, I don't know. It's tough. But Jalen Wilson looked super comfortable yesterday. Yeah. It was nice to see his shot looking good, not just the three-pointers because he hit three of them, yep. but he also hit several mid-range shots. Like Between the two of them, there is a real chance that you have one of the better duos in the league, and that is that is a tale as old as time for, and I know it wasn't Bill Self coaching last night, but for a Bill Self team to be successful. Think back to um, the, the year after you win the title in 08, 08, 09, and then 9, 10. You know, 0809, you win the Big 12, you make the the Sweet 16. 910, you're, you're the best team in the country over the course of the regular season. What did those teams have in common? They had a dynamic duo, Cole Aldridge and Sharon Collins. Um, you go back to, I guess you could say the the dynamic duo of of maybe like uh Ben McElmore and Jeff Withy. That team was was, I think, the second ranked overall one seed. Um, you could go to the duo of I don't know, it gets kind of weird when you do Frank and Devontae because you also have Josh Jackson in there, or you could say Devontae and Svee, but um, you go back to how about like Devon Dotson and Udoka Azubuki, and that was the best team in the country. When you have two of the like 10 or 15 best players in the country on your team and you have Bill Self coaching and you have other pieces that can fit into certain ways and could maybe be good defenders on this team or whatnot, like that, that's how this team is going to be a one seed at the end of the year. If those two guys are legitimately f- two of the five best players in the Big 12, you have the pieces around you to be a good defense. I have questions about how they can score consistently outside of those two guys, but if those two guys are that good, you don't really have to answer those questions as much. Yeah, and Jalen Wilson, I had mentioned it yesterday as a guy to keep an eye on in terms of you know, just sort of handling being the face of the team, handling being the possible go-to guy. Well, he looked amazing. I mean, he looks very, very comfortable handling that that uh, aspect of, of of the team, right? And obviously, it was against Omaha. It wasn't like he was out there doing that against Duke, right? But, I mean, even still, just the level of comfort that he had and the level of, of confidence that he showed uh, is, is is very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, Something for KU fans that they're going to really enjoy this year with this particular team, I think, is I, I don't think this team is going to do a lot of dumb things. I, I don't think they have a lot of guys that are just going to be are just going to do dumb stuff. <laughs> Does that make mm. sense? Like, like there's been teams in the past. There's a lot of young guys on the team. I don't know. Yeah, but they all they all have high high basketball IQs, is what I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, is Grady Dick really going to do things that are going to make you want to rip your hair out? Like you've seen past players do for KU, 
I just think that the this team like they're they're gonna have their struggles. Obviously, like every team is every team is gonna have you know down games or up and down whatever, right? But but it's, I don't think it's going to be like a man. Why did that guy do that? <laughs> or what is what was he thinking there? I don't think it's going to be a lot of that stuff. Is I think it would. I think the issues that KU might face, particularly like offensively, it's not going to be so much of why was he taking that shot. It's much of a, just maybe execution or maybe just you know they struggle in the half court or whatever, right? So uh, I don't know. Does that does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I I still remain to be seen when you have a bunch of young players that I don't know. There could be some weird stuff that happens. I will say this: if if the if Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson aren't that dynamic duo, which so far they've shown every bit of being that, there are serious questions about consistently scoring other guys that can go get a bucket for you. You don't have the low post threat that you can dump the ball to down low. How are they going to score consistently, especially against better defenses? And like you have the lineups out there a lot where Dewan Harris and KJ Adams are going to be playing next to each other. Like, is that going to completely mess up your spacing? on the floor if if both those guys are out there and can they survive together offensively. Now, that said, I love what both guys bring to the table and what both can do. Um, it's just, are you going to be able to survive with both of them on the court at the same time? Dewan ends up with eight assists and uh, took a, a good amount of shots, but uh, still end up with a, a pretty good amount of points, like the aggressiveness and whatnot there. K.J. Adams is, is everything that... Um, I, I don't know. I, I just absolutely love his game, how much he contributes to winning without having to score the ball. This was this was my favorite sequence of the game. It came from the uh like eight to seven minute mark in the first half with time winding down. Seven minutes and fifty-eight seconds left. He get, gets an offensive rebound. Then with seven minutes and forty-six seconds left, Omaha's coming the other way in transition, and he has the contest on the layup that doesn't even get close to hitting, so forces the miss. So you're running from these two ends of the floor. Then on the other end, in transition, he gets the hockey assist to Jalen, who goes to Grady Dick for the three. And then with 7-18, he gets a block that leads to a run-out layup for KU. Like, that is everything that we talk about when when we say, oh, well, KJ Adams just impacts the game in ways that, it doesn't necessarily show up on on the stat sheet or doesn't necessarily do it having to score the ball. He had eight offensive rebounds. If he is going to play real minutes this year, so you know, 20, 25 minutes per game, he might just lead the Big 12 in, in rebounding. He might just lead the Big 12 in offensive rebounding. Jalen's been a great defensive rebounder. You put the two of those together, I mean, it's not like an Oscar Shibway, like one guy just getting it all done, and it's not that seven-footer that, you know, maybe when you are playing a guy like a Shibway or something, it's a little more difficult because you do need that one guy to kind of box him out. But, like, over the long haul and over the combination of those two together, this could be a really good rebounding team. Yeah, I thought you brought up a good point to start there, though, with with Dewan and KJ. It's like, if both those guys are on the floor at the same time, your offensive firepower is looking... A little shaky, <laughs> right? Yeah. So if you're gonna roll those guys out, and you and then your other two guys are Grady and Jalen, and then I guess like Kevin McCuller, which was the lineup we saw them use, like is there enough offensive firepower in a lineup like that to to carry you for a sizable stretch of the game? And I don't. We may not know the answer to that question until we get into conference play, right? When we when we see KU start to face some serious defensive teams. I don't know if you saw, but across the Big Twelve. In uh, last night, opening college basketball, I mean, B- Baylor was up obviously like 120 to 20, right? <laughs> uh, Texas, that was, by Texas the way, I should Texas probably tell you like, this. Uh, what's up? 
That was uh, not the actual score. So there was a there was a screenshot going around of Baylor up 120 to 20 or whatever on whoever it was um, that they played. It was Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, it was a graphic error. It was like 120 to 50. So it wasn't like, but yes. Anyway. Okay, my yeah. bad. Yeah, my bad. The point that I'm trying to make here is the Big 12 defenses were on display last night. Mm-hmm. Texas, I don't, except for TCU, yeah, who except for TCU, beat Arkansas Pine Bluff or Arkansas Peanut Butter um, by one point. UA, and Oklahoma. UAPB. Yeah. Oklahoma, the defense looked good, but they, yeah, they lost. they lost. That's interesting. Anyway. But, yeah, the, the point being, like, with Dewan and KJ, if you're going to put them on the floor at the same time, you, you could run yeah. into some to some possible problems. You yeah. know who else who looked who had a really good game was Bobby Pettiford. Bobby Pettiford looks like yep. he might be legit as a backup point guard, as a guy who's going to play 20 to 25 five minutes a game. Looked really good. And and for him to play next to Dewan in some of those lineups, especially if you have Dewan and KJ, what do you got to do to come in? You got to be able to shoot, not just, you know, drive, which we know he's always going to be a great driver and has that, like, uh, low center of gravity that reminds you a little bit of what made Frank Mason so good, like that one aspect of their game. But he's got to be able to shoot, and that was nice. He went one of two from three. He he showed the ability to do that. He looked calm in command. Uh, yeah, that was really nice to see. And uh, Bill Self has been so high on him since he uh, he kind of arrived to KU, and I think you could really see why uh, in that game. I, I definitely yeah. think it was interesting, too, that the rotation seemed pretty apparent right off the bat in the first game. It didn't feel like there was – hey, all right, we're going to play this guy for two minutes, this guy for two minutes, this guy for two minutes. We're going to try all these different lineups. It felt pretty much like KU was just like, no, right now if it ended today, like our seven-man rotation, it's basically those five starters, Bobby Pettiford and Ernest Uday. Like those were the guys. Like we barely saw Zach Clements. He came in, I think, once in the first half. Yeah, and he's came in at the end of the second half. Yeah. Zuby Edgefer, we only saw at the end of the second half. Joe Yesifu, we saw for extended minutes. Um, he would probably be the eighth guy there. Who knows what it would be with MJ Rice? Yeah, if, that might be MJ Rice though. Yeah, if he comes back, who he warmed up with the team, but he wasn't going to play. Um, and Yesifu, I think between the exhibition and, and that game, he's like a combined three for eleven, and that'll be the key for him. Like it. It just straight up is about that. Can he make shots? So that's not a great start for him, but it's just, you know, small sample size and everything. Um, the rotation was pretty apparent, and that doesn't mean it's going to stick that way the rest of the way. Like, other guys are going to get small chances that if they capitalize on, they might earn a bigger chance and might be able to turn that into something. But right now, early in the season, I think the coaches let you know in that game where everything stands in the rotation. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got some audio from Norm Roberts, who was filling in for Bill Self as the head coach of the game. He spoke with the media after KU took down Omaha. We'll share that for you on the other side. Kevin Flaherty joins us after that. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we're joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. I want to get into some Big 12 football, some college basketball with you, Kevin. But uh, first things first, Kansas football is bowl eligible. Which team would you take head-to-head? 2022 Kansas football or 2008 the Insight Bowl champion Kansas team? Who wins and why? You know, I, I I think that this, team would have a lot of trouble with that 2008 team just because of the way they matched up right if you look at the way that uh, the 2002 the way that they played with up tempo the spread that they used and then having to defend all those wide receivers you know des briscoe was as good as anybody carrie Meyer is you know second to des briscoe in a lot of 
career categories and different things. And even, even Dexton Fields, a, a guy like that, you know, you, you look at that team and he's, you know, he's having a, a big deal. The one thing that would maybe make it interesting is that team wasn't great on the offensive tackles. So maybe if you're, if you're saying everybody's healthy, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a situation where Lonnie Phelps is, is able to have a, a big day because you had Jeremiah Hatch, who was naturally a center playing left tackle that year. But, uh, but I tend to think that, you know, it, it's it just based on the matchups and, and the way those two teams sort of fit together, I, I guess you will. Um, I, I think Kansas had, uh, had the linebacker play and, in 08 to, to maybe slow down Kansas's running game in 2022. Whereas I think that, uh, that passing game and those receivers and all of those different things, I think would cause a, in tempo would cause a lot of issues for, uh, for this year's team. All right, let's get into some big 12 football. TCU record wise is far and away the top team in the conference right now. Do you see them being on tier one by themselves though? Is that as indicative as it is in the record or, does it feel like everything is just clustered up top? Does it feel I, I don't know, like how big of a gap is there between TCU and the next best Big Twelve team? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I don't think there is a very big gap. And I think when you look at the score lines, if you look at the fact that TCU has been in position to play close games and win close games. Um where maybe another a different bounce of the ball. Obviously, we saw that against Kansas. You know, where TCU very easily could have lost that game if if one or two things went differently. TCU was was trailing Texas Tech. I think uh, if I remember right on Saturday in the fourth quarter, and then put together a strong fourth quarter. You know, TCU was down big to, to Kansas State, and I'm not saying TCU doesn't deserve credit for winning those games, but you know, I'm going to kind of paraphrase another guy that you guys have on the show and Jesse Newell was talking about kind of why Ken Palm and things like that work out was he said, you know, it's generally speaking, people just tend to look at, at how you do in big games, right? Like, Oh, here's how Alabama did against LSU and Tennessee and Georgia. And you don't look at the games against teams that Alabama is supposed to be. He says, but, when you look historically, you know, you may not assign a lot of value to, say, Michigan State beating Bellarmine by 55 points. But historically speaking, teams that beat Bellarmine by 55 points are, are usually pretty good. You know, that's it, it doesn't feel necessarily like, hey, this is something that we have to draw a major conclusion about. But I think that's what scares me a little bit about TCU when you're saying, Hey, this team is no doubt the best team in the Big 12. Hey, this team right here is, you know, a definite college football playoff team. It's historically speaking, college football playoff teams, they bounce the teams they're supposed to bounce, right? And I, I think that's kind of the, the scary thing about this TCU team and why I would maybe hesitate to say, Hey, they're a lot better than Texas, you know, who I think is, is kind of that number two. They're, a lot better uh, than, than Baylor or whatever, and and so I, I think that that's my hesitation. There is TCU hasn't really come out and had a lot of those games where you say, "My gosh, this TCU team just looks amazing." 
And so on one hand, you say, hey, they found a way. All credit in the world, TCU is 9-0. and They don't. They don't give wins back because they're close and they're ugly. But the flip side of that is, is I do think there's probably an element of, okay, maybe TCU isn't, you know, head and shoulders above these other teams because they haven't haven't put out the sort of results that show that they're head and shoulders above those other teams. Well, we talked last week. The first college football playoff rankings were set to come out after we had talked, and the second ones will come out tonight. Um, but since then, Clemson lost to Notre Dame, a game that they weren't really ever in. They, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd call it like a blowout, but they were certainly kind of dominated by Notre Dame in that game. Alabama has lost to LSU. Um, I, I think that we would both agree that if if TCU would go thirteen and zero, like they're going to make the playoff. But if TCU trips up once because they're not head and shoulders above some of these other schools, it wouldn't be that unthinkable. And if they're sitting there, but they still win the Big 12 and they go 12-1, and one, knowing what we know after last week, do you still think they get in the playoff? No, I don't think so. And I think, you know, it's funny because I think what we were just talking about with regard to TCU is also you could, something you could have said about Clemson, right? Like, people felt like Clemson maybe wasn't as strong a team as, as Clemson's record indicated because they weren't having these these huge results where they were just blowing people out and looking like a college football playoff team. And, and sure enough, you, you have this result that is sort of a prophecy fulfilled, if you will, against Notre Dame. I think if TCU loses, not only does it put itself behind the eight ball in terms of people, you know, looking at it and saying, well, the big 12 is not that great. And TCU lost. I think some are going to view it also as sort of that self-fulfilling prophecy of, See, I knew TC wasn't any good, and this result against, let's say, Texas or whoever, you know, bore that out. And so I do think a, a one-loss TCU team is going to have a really hard time making it into the college football playoff. I don't see that happening. Talking with Kevin Flaherty here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and uh, if you had to draft the top five players around the Big 12, so – You'd just be drafting them, let's just say, for you know one year, so you don't have to worry about, well, this guy could have two years left versus this guy's one. Uh, who are some names that would come to mind there? I, I guess for me, I, I immediately think of like Quentin Johnson. I think of, uh, gosh, I don't even know, the, the really good defensive end for, for Texas Tech. I don't know. Uh, what names come to mind for you if you were picking the five, I guess, best players, so to speak, in the Big 12? Yeah, I, I think if you're drafting, you know, there's also an element of a, a positional importance, right? So you're going to take a quarterback, whether that's Jalen Daniels, who I, I think, you know, you could maybe say is has been the best quarterback in the Big 12 when healthy. You'd probably go with Max Duggan, I would guess, at this point. Um, you, you'd probably want get him, to get him a weapon. And so, you know, Quentin Johnston, somebody like that would be in that discussion. Uh, I don't think there's a great left tackle unless I'm totally blanking on it across the conference where you say, okay, this is a, this is a guy we have to have. And so I think at that point you, you start looking over to the defensive side, you know, you, you probably go ahead and say, you know, Tyree, Tyree Wilson at Texas tech, maybe um, I, I think, you know, Felix Andrew DK Zoma at K state would probably be another pick and, and gosh, I don't, I don't know who your, who your other guy would be in terms of, uh, 
in terms of taking your your fifth guy, but those would be my four. I would say quarterback, you know, and in this case, Max Duggan. You get him a wide receiver. So in this case, Quentin Johnston, two pass rushers, and then uh, and then I don't know really where we where we go from there. Who who else would you have in there? Like who would be your your other guy? See, it's tough because you. I, I think what you you're talking about with the position value makes it hard for me to want to take some of the running backs. But, like, you got to sure. take a running back. You got to take a running back. But, yeah, Dijon's there's so many so good, good ones. Like, I know. Dijon is so good. And I know. Is, or Deuce Vaughn is so good. And so, you know, you can you can have different guys there. And, obviously, uh, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I thought, you know, he wasn't on the injury reports. I thought Devin Neal looked so much yeah. more fresh against Oklahoma State than he had looked in previous games. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't even just, hey, he's got a big game, but it felt like, okay, this this guy looks like he's running with 10 fewer pounds on his back than, you know, than he had before that. I mean, was that something that jumped out to you guys? 100%. I, I wonder if – I actually floated this to Nick, and, and we kind of quickly dismissed it. Like, nah, that ain't happening. But we were like, what would he have to do these next three weeks if hypothetically Kansas won all three and, and somehow were earned their way into the Big 12 title game – uh, for him to at that point four more games to get involved in like to even get an invite to New York State like he wouldn't win it but could he do enough like if he did that what he did in that game over the next four games like I don't know maybe maybe you're talking about something but I I did like a, a stat look back and there have only been eight players since the year 2000 that have had 200 yep. yards rushing and 100 yards receiving in the same game so it only happens once every three years basically that uh, it's only, remarkable. and only only what like he's I think the fourth power five guy yeah to do it is that right too yeah I mean it's it's incredibly rare for for somebody to do what he did, and I know you had a chance to see Devin in high school too, as did I. And you know that was kind of the vision, right? It wasn't just hey, this guy can carry the ball, but he was he was able to catch the ball and do some things in the passing game at Lawrence High that I think you know you felt like hey, this is something this guy could could carry over and be really effective at at the college game too. Yeah, I wish I had. I, I knew the exact stats because there was a game against where they played Free State, and I want to say he had he had like forty carries and like five catches. It was unbelievable. Uh, so so KU <laughs> takes on Texas Tech this Saturday. Game time six o'clock. Pre-game starts at four thirty right here on KLWN. How does KU match up with the Red Raiders? What has to go right for the Jayhawks to come out on top? Yeah, I think uh, I think they need to be in it late, and, and I know that. That, that sounds like a, a no-duh type thing, but Texas Tech the last few weeks has lost the fourth quarter 42-7 to combined. Whew. They lost it, They lost it. I think, 21 to nothing two weeks ago and 21-7 to this past week with the seven coming after TCU had scored the previous 21. So the game was, was kind of over at that point. But, you know, Texas Tech, they have some interesting things going on on that roster, right? Like, not just at the quarterback position where they've kind of had to play derby because of injuries and different things like that. But this defense, I feel like, for, for Texas Tech has kind of been a little bit better and tougher and more physical than, than you usually see from that group. And so it's been a, a little bit a little bit different there. I think that they're maybe a little bit better at running back than, than Texas Tech has been at times. 
But, of course, you have Zach Kitley, you have that system and everything. So you're going to be going up-tempo. And if your offense isn't moving the ball for whatever reason, whether it's mistakes, whether it's turnovers, whether it's, you know, just quarterbacks who have been injured and so nobody's really, you know, operating at a fluid high level, you're putting that defense out there for a lot of plays and you're asking them to do a whole lot. And so it's not necessarily, I don't think, a a coaching thing or, or whatever, because I do think you run, especially in your first year at a school, you run what you want to run later, right? It doesn't make sense. Let's say Texas Tech has the system to run triple option. You don't necessarily run triple option this year and then next year say, okay, we've got the personnel, let's run air raid. You want to spend your year building for the next year. And so I understand the tempo and and running more of the air raid stuff and, and all of those different things. But I think with this year's team, with the issues that have faced this year's team, with how much they've struggled to take care of the ball at times, and that's going to be another key on on Saturday is turnovers. I think with all of those things, you know, at least the last couple weeks, it's put that defense into some rough spots in the fourth quarter where Texas Tech has has kind of, you know, worn down or or not really been there at at the very end of the level that that maybe they would have hoped. Uh, I did want to talk a little college basketball with you, Kevin. Um, so I, I guess I'll just give you an open floor on this one. Nationally, was there a result or a performance, whether it's team or individual, that stood out to you the most on opening night? You know, I, I was stunned by Florida State Stetson. I, I think a lot of people were. Uh, Florida State's got some guys banged up. You know, Baba Miller is suspended, and yet at the same time, you know, Leonard Hamilton was supposed to have a pretty deep team, and you're playing a team that was picked uh, that was picked 12th in the in the A Sun. And so, when you when you look at those things, that that result was was quite frankly just just stunning. TCU. I don't think a lot of people realize that TCU is going to be a little bit of a grind this year. And and this is coming from somebody who ranked TCU high, just like everybody else did. TCU was such a poor shooting team last year, Derek, and and you have all those guys back. And, and so to some extent you say, well, you know, hopefully some guys improve or whatever, but you're not going to go from ranking in the 300s in three-point field goal percentage to being a, a team that all of a sudden is, is a top 53 point shooting team. They're still going to have – some of the same issues that they had before, it's going to be kind of clunky and, and they're going to need to win by making games clunky. And so there's going to be more sort of ugly results for TCU like that one, but it was a result. They did win the game. And so I'm sure people want to draw conclusions looking at that game. Uh, but that was, that was one that, that I feel like we're going to see over and over again a few times this year. I'm trying to think if there's, there's anybody else one of the one of the fun things about college basketball is the fact that you know you can turn on any game anytime and i feel like you can get invested in it right and i was watching i think it was ucf unc Asheville at one point last night and the game wound up going to double overtime and um and unc Asheville won ucf had uh had a couple shots at it at the end but Drew Pember for UNC Asheville dropped 40 points, the Tennessee transfer. 
um, and was was really really good. And it was just it was a reminder that college basketball is back because you know you're watching a game where where maybe you don't know both teams super well, you don't know all the personnel, and you still you're watching it and and kind of wrapped the same way you would be in March when you see one of these games in a conference tournament that you haven't really seen or followed before. And and it wound up being one of those just back and forth, really fun to watch final possession type games. And so that was uh, that was a fun one to watch too. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work with 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always and uh, looking forward to catching up more college value. We're getting to that time of year. It's, it's just hard to fit – talking because there's so much going on but but appreciate you joining the show as always all right thanks a lot guys happy day all right that's kevin flaherty 24 7 sports cbs sports you can give him a follow at k flaherty on twitter with nick springer i'm Derek johnson this is rock chalk sports talk one hour down two to go my college football playoff rankings next in the world of college football where chaos reigns supreme one man one myth One legend will sort it all out with his college football playoff rankings. This man's name is... I love sleeping in on Saturdays. And I love college football games. You're listening to Derek's College Football Playoff Rankings on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You need to go back to whatever the hell you was doing before you got on the radio. Let's get to the rankings now. Four o'clock hour, and it is time for another college football playoff rankings. Uh, Didn't have them last week. There uh, just was other stuff going on, and we didn't have a lot of change in the rankings. So... We didn't feel the need to get to you, but there is so what, the, upheaval. The committee just took a week off? Yeah. Hey, they deserve a week off, you know? <laughs> all, the hard, job. all the hard very work hard. they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, work. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world, honestly, <laughs> if you think about it. I mean, think about it. You, you have to stay up for watch, 24 hours yeah, you have and watch to every watch, game. You know, every how many, game. How many, and there's 126. Right. So you're talking at least 50 games. Right. And if it's 50 games and each game is three and a half hours each... That is like 175 hours. Yeah, but they're no, but they're playing concurrently, so you would just yeah. But they need to watch the tape on every game too to <laughs> to you know watch the all 22. So they're spending 175 hours. Well, how many? I don't even. I mean, how many hours? Is, how many days is that? Uh, about six. No, it might so be more they, than that. They even have time to watch all the games. Oh, that's, that's they seven point to... three days. So they don't even have time. No, they. they so wait a second. No, 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 no. The, is the no. committee frauds? No, no, they don't have time. no, no. They. <laughs> They're, they're like, you know the movie Interstellar where it's like, well, down here, an hour is like five years up there, right? So they go okay. to another planet where the time works differently, and they watch all the games, How do and they then they time? get back, uh, and they, they figure it out over the course okay. of a couple of days. Well, that just leads to more questions. Uh, How do they have time to get to and from Earth? Uh, Jeff Bezos is funding it all. It's it's this whole deal. You know, I don't need to get into it. You can, you know, just look it up, okay. do your own research. It's just the right? committee's process. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, these are the rankings for this week. There is a lot of upheaval I've mentioned. Our previous number one, Wake Forest and Regulation. They ain't looking so good lately. They lost to uh, NC State and somebody else that I can't remember two weeks ago. Uh, so they're gone. <laughs> Whoever is winning the SEC East is gone. 
technically. One team has emerged. It's no longer a tie. Georgia's okay. just winning the conference. So technically, yeah. they're gone, but I have a sneaky suspicion Georgia will be on there. Mount Union was number seven. Last week, they only beat John Carroll by six points, 34-28. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. When, you, when you're D3, you got to blow teams out. Yeah, to make up for your strength exactly, of schedule. Exactly, correct. Yeah. So, not great there. Liberty. Liberty actually didn't do anything wrong since Liberty they were won. Last. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. beat Arkansas. They did. But is a two-point win on the road against the 5-4 and four team, is that, like, worthy of <laughs> jumping up or anything? No, we just had other teams outperform them, so yeah. they got hopped. Right. I would like to say, hypothetically, if, if this was top 10, Liberty would be number 10. Okay. Los Angeles, who was number 8, if this was a top 10, they'd be number 9. They're not on the list. They're actually combined 16-2 and two now, which is really good. But even though they're getting more wins, they're getting worse. USC only beat Arizona and Cal by a combined 14 points. Bad. And UCLA only beat Arizona State by 14 last week. They're fraught. So, I mean, they're right there. They're number nine. Okay, okay. They still have the volume of 16 and two. But sure. I, I have serious questions right now. Okay, our new number eight team is the real representative from the state of California. Do you know where the uh, capital of California is? It's um, it's Sacramento. Is it, it is Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sacramento State is our number eight team. They are <laughs> nine and zero. I don't even know what their their mascot name is, but they've beaten three <laughs> top fifteen teams in the last three weeks in Montana, Idaho, and Weber State. That is a a gauntlet. They're, they're the Hornets. Sacramento oh, State Hornets. Sac State Hornets. Love it. They're the big Beat sky, and they just yep they're on they're on a roll. Exactly. And earlier this season. They played Colorado State and they beat them forty-one to ten. Oh, so they beat Colorado <laughs> State, which usually when you see an FCS team beat an FBS team, it's like, oh, they beat them <laughs> on some crazy last-second field goal or something, right? They beat them by thirty-one points. Colorado State's not great, I will give you that. But Michigan beat Colorado State by forty-four. Sac State beat them by thirty-one. Yep. Not that big of a difference there. Also, you know who else beat Colorado State by thirty-one points exactly, just like Sac State? Okay. That would be Washington State. <coughs> and Washington State only lost to Oregon by three. So okay. the difference between Sac State and Oregon um, is only three points. I need I need to pause the rankings real quick. Whoa. I'm looking at Sac State's schedule. Mm-hmm. Is Idaho did Idaho drop to FCS? Yes. A year or two ago. Okay, I missed that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never mind. We can carry on now with the rankings. Yes. I just I wasn't aware that Idaho had dropped to FCS. Uh Nick, what's your favorite thing to ride with wheels? Uh a oh boy. A a bicycle? How about a skateboard? As okay. in Sac State running back Cameron Skatebow, who has a <laughs> thousand and fifty rushing yards and five touchdowns. By the way, if you were playing fantasy football in uh FCS level or or whatever conference there in Big West, I don't big, know. They're, they're, in the big, in. they're in the big they're sky. They're in the big sky, okay. Uh, you would be so mad because Cameron Skatebow, who has done all this work, 1,050 yards in, in nine games, yeah, has, five has just five touchdowns. Yeah. Their backup, Asher O'Hara, has 16 touchdowns. What? The ultimate fantasy vulture. That is horrible. I know. That's not cool. All right. In at number seven, another new team, North Carolina Central. Okay. Yeah. The best team in the state of North Carolina, I believe. Uh, nine and oh. They won last week, sixty-eight to three, at Illinois Wesleyan. And their last five games, this is this is remarkable. 
The last five games for North Carolina Central, they have outscored the opposition 286 to three. How's that even possible? Right? That's why they're Wait, number are seven. Are you sure you're talking about North? Am I? Mm. Which North Carolina Central are you talking about? The North Carolina Central? I don't know. What oh. are you talking about? I, I'm I'm looking at what I think is North Carolina Central, and are you looking at like North Carolina A and T or something? No, this is North North Carolina Central. Dang. Hmm. Controversy. Controversy. Okay. Well, you know what's stupid? What's stupid? There's a like North Carolina Central University and a North. I don't even know. Um. Anyway, we will get our is, our North Carolina Central. It's just oh, North it Carolina one? Central. Oh, here, here no, I'm sorry. It's North Central. Did I say? Oh, my gosh. You said North Carolina This Central. is a big flub by the committee. This oh, week. boy. I am so sorry. Oh, no. North Central. Here we North go. North Central in, in, in Illinois. In, They're in oh. Illinois. There's okay, <laughs> another on. North Central. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, real quick aside, <laughs> please don't call your team name two directions. Is it North Central College? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. North and also, College. you don't get to be two directions... Of like like northwestern state in Louisiana, you're not in the northwest. <laughs> you don't get to be northwestern state because you're in northwest like, Louisiana. You know, anyway. KU's going to play North Southeast right. Dakota State. Sorry, that was a big flub. North Central okay. is we're, nine. We're back on track. They've outscored the opposition two eighty six to three. North Central College. Yes. North Central College. So the total average of their score all season long is fifty eight to five. They are a wagon. Nick, what is the best place to play football? The best place? Yeah, Lawrence, Kansas. How about a green field, as in Ethan Greenfield, the team's leading runner? He's got over 1,200 rushing yards, 15 scores, and 8 yards a carry. Okay. Get him in on your high. Here we go. Journey. North Central College Cardinals. Looking mm. at the right team. Yep. Okay. 68 to 3, 59 nothing, 65 nothing, 73 nothing. Yeah, I think it was a Freudian just, slip. I wrote down North Carolina. Anyway. They are just smashing people. Uh, number six, another new team. Whoever the top team is in Division Two. <laughs> because like all these teams that we're gonna name here or, or in the list or in contention, they're nine and zero, right? Or, or they're right near it, and they're off to great starts. But you know what's better than nine and zero, Nick? What's that? Ten and zero, and D two ball has six teams that are ten and zero: Benedict, <laughs> Shepherd, Owachita Baptist, Angelo State. Hey, credit to you for pronouncing that right. I did. Oh, Washington cool. Baptist. That was a total guess. Grand Valley. No way. Really? That was a guess? Yeah, that wow. was. Grand, Grand Valley and Pittsburgh State. How hey, Pittsburgh the, gorilla, State? the gorillas. Yeah, they're all 10 and 0. So I don't know which one would be winning. Imagine a four team playoff there. Two undefeated teams get left out. That sucks. Uh, but they still got season left to go. They'll be fine. So whoever's winning the, or whoever the top team is in D2, I don't even understand how their rankings work. I'm looking at their rankings. Yeah, one of the teams is 10 and 0, and they're like 12. Well, they have like. They're like split up into four groups of ten. On the oh NCAA no, they website. do that in like the D three. It's for playoff reasonings. Yeah, if okay. you go, they have another poll you can look at. That's actual, like the coaches or like the, go, the coaches, you know, media poll okay, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, they, that's how they do the region rankings for like playoffs. Anyway, no, in, I don't. Okay. What? Sorry, nothing. what's wrong? No, 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 no. It was my fault. My fault. Oh, okay. Into the top five, okay. a team who is from the list last week. Do not have a new team here. Dropping down from number two. I guess two weeks ago, I should say. The okay. TCU Horned Frogs, they beat West Virginia 41-31. They beat Texas Tech 34-24. But they continue to beat backup quarterbacks, except for, like, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, they're not, like, blowing these teams out. No. I'm going to knock them down a peg. Still a good team, but... They deserve to be knocked no. down a peg. 
But for KU football's Big 12 title purposes, they need to win against Texas. So go TCU. Into the top four. Who's in the playoff right now? Oregon, if we don't count week one. They were number five two weeks ago. They've since earned a 18-point win on the road against Cal, 39-point win at Colorado. And if we don't count week one, they are now 8-0 with an average of over 48 points per game. Pretty good. That is good. Nick, what is your favorite gas station chain? My favorite gas station chain You might actually is... get this one. I like Quick Trip. No, Nick. You what? lived in Texas. You lived in San Antonio. Oh, uh... Uh, the Matt Galloway oh special, Bucky's. Blank- blank- yeah, Bucky's. Bucky's, Nick. Bucky's. As in, Buc- no, I actually hate Bucky's. What? Yes, despise Bucky's. Pause. Pause. <laughs> oh, t- shut up the music. Turn the music. <laughs> What's going on here? Bucky's sucks. It's what, like, what do you mean? It's like it's Costco like, and a gas station. No, it, it's together. horrible. It's, it's like the final boss of just like everything you could think of combined into one What's incredibly about sterile that? environment, like just like bright lights and it's just no it's bad you think it's like a rave i think it's horrible oh my gosh i've never met somebody who's been like Bucky's i do not like bad it's like it's just too much oh my it's gosh. too much just for like if proof. i'm gonna stop and go to a gas station i'm just i need i just need gas i don't need nobody's a, forcing I don't need you to go inside sandwich i don't need to get what, a grill i don't have need the to, option i mean uh dude I just, it's just too much it's too unbelievable much it's too right, much turn the music back on it's too much. just further proof that no matter what you say there's always going to be someone who's like yeah but <laughs> unbelievable well anyway bucky irving is oregon's leading rusher and i am so mad about this now <laughs> into the top three Whoever is winning the Big Ten East, they move up from number four. Michigan and Ohio State continue to do work. They're both 6-0 in Big Ten play, 9-0 overall, and they have each outscored the opposition by nearly 300 points. Whichever one's winning, wow, you're doing good. In at number two, basically the replacement here for whoever is winning the SEC East, who was number three, it's just Georgia, because now they're the team winning the SEC East. Uh, They beat Tennessee 27-13. Honestly, that score wasn't even totally indicative of how kind of far apart that game kind of felt for Georgia. Dominant win, Georgia in at number two. Okay, I like that. Number one is the new team. Really? Unranked number one. In the same vein of Los Angeles. This is a user-submitted, I mean, it's it's user-submitted in that it was user-submitted to catch my attention. So, so shout like a, out a to listen. Jeshua Van Sickle, okay, who sent listen. me this. Okay. But it got it on my radar. The committee took and it into so consideration. so, okay. it has been propped all the way up to number one. Wow. Colleges called Bethel. <laughs> the Bethel Wildcats, an NAIA school in the Mid-South Conference, I believe they're in the state of Tennessee. They are 10-0 with three ranked wins, including one at the third-ranked NAIA school two weeks ago. The okay. Bethel Threshers, an NAIA school in the KCAC. I think they're down in Wichita. They are 9-1. and They beat St. Mary 51-21 to last week. The Bethel Royals, a D3 school in the MIAC, are 8-1 and with back-to-back wins over St. Olaf and Augsburg. Add it all oh, up. St. Olaf. Add it. Do you have a problem with Frozen? You know? <laughs> You're going to go against Olaf yes, now? Yes, I don't like Frozen either. No, I have no opinion of Frozen, actually. Hmm. Should I, should, I, should I get an opinion of Frozen? <laughs> I don't think it's possible. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, add it all up. The Bethel schools are 27-2. and two. 
So if you thought Los Angeles was impressive at 16 and 2, now you got 27 and 2 and you're outscoring your opponents by an average of 37 to 15 between the three of them. Colleges called Bethel Bethel in at number 1. Bang. We did it. Wow. We did it. All right. Any qualms? <laughs> um no, other than the Bucky stuff, no qualms. Unbelievable. I'm so mad about that. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Matt Tate will join the show in about 15 minutes here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. A little bit of a different time on your Tuesday here that Matt Tate joins us of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, when you tell your future child that, as we discussed last week, is uh, due coming up soon here about the 2022 Kansas football team, which I'm sure will be one of the first things that you explain to your new child. What will be the theme or what will be the headline of that story? <laughs> Excuse me, that, that got me. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It's, a, it's filled with emotional impact and it's, uh, it's interesting. So I hope I have a good answer. Um, you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. The, the number one thing, it, it will not be their record. It will not be um outcome based it will not be you know oh wow you should have seen them beat this team or that team or whatever i i think um as this season has gone on and we've gotten to know these guys a little bit better and and talk with them uh about the good and the bad that that's made up their season um i i think i'll i'll just always you know kind of paint this group as as just a bunch of really really high character dudes i mean um you know it's hard to say that about a team of 115 kids or whatever because we don't know them all and and you know there are a few bad apples in every bunch and all that but um for the most part man the guys that have uh, have really laid it on the line every week and been been the biggest reason behind this sort of turnaround and and resurgence and return to relevance and, and bowl eligibility and all of those things. Um, they're high character kids, man. They're, they're, they're tough, uh, physically and mentally. They're, uh, they're, they're determined, they're driven. Um, you know, you've got, you got a bunch of Devin Neal's and a bunch of Jason beans and a bunch of Kenny Logan's and a, and a bunch of guys that are just, that are just out there willing to sacrifice whatever they have to sacrifice for the greater good of their team. And, and I, I think that that's a big part of the reason that they're in the position they're in today. Uh, beyond that, though, I think it's a big part of the reason that, that um, Lance Leipold deserves so much credit for this thing because that is a direct re- reflection of him and his staff and, and their culture and their philosophy and what they, what they came here to do. And the fact that they're doing it uh, this quickly and, and this emphatically uh, is, is a credit to all of those people involved, but it, it certainly it certainly reflects well on the staff and and these these players. Man, I mean, they are look. There have been hundreds of guys that have come through the Kansas football program in the last ten fifteen years that have been convinced we're the team. I'm the guy. We're going to be the group that gets back, and they all fell woefully short. Um, it's not their fault as players directly. Um, it's partly culture. It's partly coaching. It's partly all kinds of things. Um, but the, the fact of the matter remains that group of hundreds of guys all fell short and this group got it done and you don't get it done without having some of that extra juice 
um, the resolve, the toughness, the, the mental fortitude, all of that stuff to handle it. Because, you know, there have been some talented players come through here, lots of talented players. But I, I don't remember seeing it so connected and so, you know, um, clearly united like this group is. And, and I think that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, if I didn't either put you guys to sleep or make both of you cry with that, with that sort of soliloquy there, then, uh, then that's what I would say. And, and maybe it makes a good bedtime story and, and, uh, it ends up helping me out with the newborn because that, that will, <laughs> I'll be looking for whatever tricks I can, I can find there. So, um, if you guys are asleep, you know, wake up and, and let's continue the conversation here. Wait, Nick, what just happened? And Nick just oh, woke me up. I Sorry, know. I don't, I don't know. No, uh, <laughs> um, I, could you make the argument? I, I know it might sound a little crazy. You have the 2007-2008 season where you won a title in basketball, and um, you obviously went to the Orange Bowl in football. And, and as good as this season has been with football, you're not going to reach that level. And also, it is technically different seasons. But if we lumped together instead of whereas that was, I guess the the 07-08. Um, academic year, this would more so be the calendar year of 2022. Could you make the argument this is the greatest individual year in KU athletics history? Because I I know most people care most about the football and the men's basketball, which is fair enough. But also, like if you're comparing 07 to 08, I, I think KU volleyball and KU women's basketball probably better this year than uh, you would look back to, to those seasons. And also because of the expectations to where Kansas football had become, it's almost like the added level of surprise what they're doing. Could you make that argument that this is one of the or maybe the greatest individual calendar year in KU athletics history? Yeah, sure. You could make the argument. I don't know how many people would buy it. Um, and, and that's that's not a knock on the question at all. I I, I think it's a it's a fine argument to make. Um, and and the, the last point that you made, I think, is the most important part of that. I mean, this this fan base and this university uh, have been beaten down so much by what football has been. And, you know, a couple of teases along the way, but mostly just, you know, brick wall after brick wall after brick wall that you're just slamming your head into and can't get even through or over or anything. So, um, yeah, the, the, the surprise, the added element of euphoria that comes from, from seeing this thing actually turn and, and, and seeing what that means to the university. Um, I was at an athletic board meeting the other day, and they said their enrollment's up. Uh, largest, I think, either the largest or second largest freshman class in the history of the university. I mean, like, you know, those things. That, that, now, part of that is obviously men's basketball winning a title, that gets you some exposure. Part of that's probably just the academic part of the university, too. But those things, um, the exposure that you get from winning a title or being a host for college game day or winning games and having your team, you know, uh, praised and, and, and featured rather than mocked, um, those things matter. And, and, and it's, it's interesting that they matter outside of Lawrence because you don't necessarily always connect those dots to – you know, university student population, right? But that stuff does make a difference. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think you could make a case for that because of the surprise and, and the extra juice that, that comes from football turning it around. I don't know if I would make that case. I, I, I you know, I, I think we need to see how this finishes first. I mean, if they, 
they're able to go eight and four and they end up in the Alamo Bowl and they win and they beat a Big Ten team or something like that, that's that's close, man. I mean, because the Orange Bowl is the Orange Bowl and it's got some 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 prestige and it's got some you know tradition and history behind it and all that stuff. Um, and, and once upon a time, it was it was as big as anything, right? Um, but it wasn't the national championship game, so it's not like that. 08 team or 07 team that played in the 08 Orange Bowl. It's not like they were, you know, playing for at that point the the highest of stakes. It was a pretty big deal, and and obviously a BCS bowl and all that stuff, and 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 far bigger than if this group ends up at the first responder bowl or something like that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think it's 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 a decent argument, and you could probably make a valid case that's worth considering. Um, I just don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know that I would we're probably talking a little recency bias here too, right? Like it seems like it's an easier case to make because you just have these fresh memories of the national title mm-hmm. run and what this football season has been with sellout after sellout. When back in 07, um, you know, that was still early in self time at KU. And, and so there was some euphoria surrounding that, right? Like he, he got through and, and, he was he was a Final Four coach and he won a title and and boy it looks like the program's going to be okay after that guy named Roy Williams left and you know there's some of that that was that was really important um, and then on top of it you know sellout crowds at Memorial Stadium weren't this like oh my God can you believe this they were the expectation during that season because of what Mangino and those guys had built from oh four oh five oh six leading up to that you know so. I think part of the argument is is strong and solid just because we're living today and it's more recent in our minds. But um, but if I'm gonna yeah if you're, if you're you know if you're gun to my head and I have to make a choice, um, this team's got to do a lot more than than what they've done right now to pass that calendar year because that was just that was just such a such an incredible run. I mean, you know, the only thing that, that, that comes close really is, in my opinion, is that 93 year, right, where they were um, Final Four and and College World Series and and uh, Aloha Bowl, I guess it was. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, the first university to do that. And, and so that's pretty significant. But you're right. Like, definitely don't underestimate or overlook um, volleyball is heading to the tournament. They are they are going to get in, and, and we'll see if they can make a run. And and uh, th- you know th- they're contending with with top ten, top five teams in the country. They're they're right there. Uh, the women's basketball team, I think, has a monster year coming, and that has to factor in if you're talking about the entire athletic calendar. So um, yeah, to be determined. Maybe if 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 uh, you know the women's hoops team makes an elite eight run, and, and volleyball gets back to the sweet sixteen, then yeah, maybe we have a little more of an argument there, but it's a tough one to make, and and uh, it, it's a tough one to make a decision on, I guess. Looking specifically at the game that got KU bowl eligible, the victory over Oklahoma State. Obviously, Devin Neal has a huge breakout game. Is that something you think we can expect to see that level of usage of him for the rest of the season with three games left? I mean, considering what he'd done up to the point in the season, and obviously the game that he had against Oklahoma State, is that something we can expect to continue the rest of the season? I, you know, I don't know if that is. I, I think 32 carries is a lot. I think um, when I talked to Devin today about what that did to him, you know, he, he said Sunday he was sore, very sore. He still lifted and he still did his work and he took care of himself. And, 
you have to, to to be even close to ready to play, you know, six days later. Um, he said he was still sore Monday. You know, that like that's a that's a big workload for for anybody. I mean, you don't see NFL guys get thirty two carries hardly at all anymore, you know. So um that's not saying he wouldn't ask for it again. That's not saying he wouldn't he wouldn't go get thirty eight carries if that's what the the game calls for. I think he's willing to do and he said that. He, you know, give me whatever you want to give me, I'll do it. Um so it's not a question of whether he's capable or willing. Uh I just I just wonder if you get to the point of diminishing returns at some point if you if you try to give him thirty two carries in the next three games. Um Man, that's you know, and maybe not. Maybe maybe he he just gets stronger and 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 is fresh to to the wire and 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 just kind of you know fuels himself with that uh, workload. But but I, I'd be I'd be surprised if that's in the game plan. I I I'd imagine that you know twenty plus is not out of the question at all um, because it wasn't. Didn't someone say today that his that his season high was fifteen carries? You know, so uh, yeah, actually, um, they gotta actually, get Derek Derek said that. Derek did. Yeah, oh, Derek dropping the knowledge. Just like when I'm on the radio, Derek's not listening to me. I I wasn't listening to him, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, if, if that if that's the number, then then you got to get more than that. There's no question, and um, that's not a knock on Kai Thomas. That's not a knock on Sevion Morrison, uh, Tory Lachlan. Obviously, Highshaw's out, so that makes that easier. But you know, like the 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 number isn't probably as important as just. What's 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 required, right? And there could be games. I mean, Kansas could win this game Saturday at Texas Tech with with Devin Neal getting 15 carries. You know that. The, so I don't know that it's automatic that. Well, the, here's the recipe: the only way they win, or the way they have to win, is by feeding him the rock. That looks great because what we just saw was phenomenal. But teams are going to not make that a, an option, probably too, right? And they're going to try to say, well, look, that's fine if you want. Lawrence Arnold or Clinton Skinner or whoever to beat us, but we're not going to let Devin Neal. So that that factors in too. So I, I think you know I think Andy Kotelnicki has has shown all year that that he's got a pretty good feel for what to call, when to call it, and and the right way to 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 use this offense and its weapons. And and he said flat out today, as you guys heard. Um, you know, when you got a guy getting chunk plays like that, who's running with that kind of burst, that kind of power, um, man, it looks like a pretty smart idea to keep him on the field. And so they did that. And that was that was game script as much as anything. I know that Leipold told the story of, of sharing the uh, the Tony Sands line with, with Devin before the game, but I don't think that that was meant to say, hey, we're going to give you 56 carries or we're going to give you 30-plus carries or anything like that. I think it was meant to just say, hey, go, go be special. Go do something, and and that you know it happened to be thirty two carries and and you know three hundred total yards or whatever. So um, it worked, but but I, you know I think these guys will continue to to stay the course and be very measured in in how they approach these games. And and you've heard him say it a million times in the two years he's been here. I mean, Total Nicky will say it multiple, multiple, multiple. Right? They they are not interested in being one dimensional or tipping their hand to opposing defenses that, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run Devin, power, whatever, you know, every snap. You know, that, that's easier to stop than if you if you keep them guessing and spread them out. And there were some really awesome calls in that game where they spread them out and then hit them with, with Devin up the middle or, or around the edge or whatever. I mean, he, he ran phenomenal. And uh, it couldn't happen to a better kid. I mean, that's, that's, 
really, really cool to see. So um, I'm sure he's motivated by that and wants that feeling again. And, and it, like I said, if, if, uh, if the game script calls for him to have 32, 35, 45 carries, um, you guys know as well as I do, there's, there's, there's one thing and one thing only that Devin Neal would say to that request, and that's bring it on. I'm ready because that's how he's wired, and and, uh, and and he sure looked good the other day. It's pretty cool, man. I mean, I you know you guys probably know, but I, I grew up in town here. I mean, I'm I'm from Lawrence as long as it goes, pretty much originally Colorado, but been here 34 years, and and um, that to see a kid like that from this town same high school I went to, you know, um, doing what he's doing and, and doing it with that kind of, that kind of class and that kind of, uh, personality and that kind of just, you know, uh, just high character stuff. Um, it adds to it. I mean, he, he's, I thought this way about him at Lawrence High and, and, um, you know, it's only grown watching him at, at, at KU. He's, he's a fantastic dude. And, and, uh, you like to see good things happen to people like that. Talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. KU basketball opens up last night with a 25-point victory over Omaha, and Grady Dick went off for 23 points in the game, really shot the ball well. It's not the first time we've seen a freshman go off in his first game. We saw it with Xavier Henry, Josh Sel- Selby did it, uh, Quentin Grimes in the Champions Classic, among others, and in the case of some of those, like with Selby and Grimes, it did not translate into a season full of success. So are you being cautiously optimistic about what this season could look like for Grady Dick, or did last night just feel different and that he is kind of just destined for uh, stardom for this team? Yeah, no, there's no caution here. I'm I'm, I'm all in on the Grady train, man. He is... Uh... He's the real deal. The gravy boat. Uh, it's like a gravy boat. Yeah, hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's gravy train too, though, right? Yeah, that's true. They both work. They both work. Um, but you know, anything, anything to avoid saying the other part of his name over and over. I don't over know what you're like referring to. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> that's just something I heard a thousand times at the game last night, and we'll hear a thousand more times at the game on Thursday. And, you know, hey, I get it. Oh, I, um, think, they, I but, think they were chanting sick because they were like, that was a sick dunk, dude. Oh, yeah. okay. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, good. I'm glad we settled that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, look, like, like Xavier Henry was a stud, man. Um in every way, and 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 he played in the NBA, right? Big time, big time games. Um, his career didn't go the way it it was looking like it might. Whether you're talking about Kansas or the pro, I no, mean, was he was still really thing. good. He averaged like thirteen, fourteen a game. He shot like forty percent from three as like your third option, right? Right. That was it with him, right? Like, and and I think that you know what I was going to say is, is you look at him fitting into the team that he fit into. It was the team that he fit into as a freshman was a lot more like last year's team, where you had some established veterans and some clear options ahead of you. And uh, I remember I did a story on this, um, and I don't exactly remember what it was for, but I think it was when Josh Jackson came in as a freshman and. Um, I, I remember talking to like Tyrell Reed and some of the other guys on that that team that, that Xavier was on, and it's like, how do you how do you welcome this guy in to a team full of established veterans that already have their roles, that already know who they are, that already have the understanding of what it takes to play Bill Self basketball, et cetera, et cetera. And and it was an interesting story because you know that um, 
that that's a that's a big question for freshmen, especially freshmen that are you know McDonald's All Americans and have the high pedigree and all that stuff, uh, like Grady does, like like Xavier did, like Selby did, all that. I mean, I think when you're looking at at if you if you go back and and you wait until it all plays out and then you look back at all those guys, including Josh Jackson, including who's the other one you just said X and and Selby and Quentin Grimes. Oh, Grimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you when you look at all those guys, when it's all said and done, I think one of them, and I haven't done this yet, but but I would guess one of the indicators of how successful were they in that in that one season? It's probably a lot on who the guys around them were, and I, I think you know you look at that Josh Jackson team, Frank and Devonte, right? And that's right there. That's enough. But but there were other guys on that team too, and and we just mentioned with X. And that veteran group that he played with uh, as a freshman. So, you know, I think that there's something to be said for a little bit of pressure being taken off you when you have that established roster and and some more veteran types. Whereas um, some of the younger guys, I mean, Grimes, you know, that was a young team, and and yeah, he had a great game then, but it it, it didn't work out great, right? And uh, he didn't have a great year, and obviously he left. Um, and we know he's a talented player. That's not the question. Um, he proved that at Houston, and he's proven that in the NBA. And and you know, the, there's the talent's never the issue. So, um, having said all of that, I, I think that that Grady's in an interesting position because there is a lot of pressure on him. They've they've said in no uncertain terms that they need him to score and be a weapon and be good. And at the same time, there's enough there, especially when you look at Jalen and and Dewan. There's enough there that's that's returning that that takes that that pressure that edge off of him, and makes it so that he can just come out and be him. Jalen will handle the, the being the face. You know, Dewan will handle running the show. Those two can do it together. McCullers got enough of a veteran presence to to, to be another guy on the floor with you that that can handle that. So Grady just has to come in and play. And my God, that's exactly what he did last night. And. I don't think that that's going to be a hard thing for him to embrace. I don't think that that's going to be a hard thing for him to accept and appreciate. I think he knows I don't have to go be, you know, Ochai. I don't have to go be Tyshawn Taylor. I don't have to go be Andrew Wiggins. I just have to go be me. And being me is probably going to work on this team because I'm going to get a bunch of shots. I'm going to bring a bunch of energy and I'm going to, and I'm going to do what I've done my whole life. And, and, um, and, and, you know, and Grady's done that. I mean, when his, his first year at Sunrise Christian, um, that team was loaded. They had like six, seven, eight D1 guys that, that, you know, played a lot of minutes ahead of him. And he was largely a role player on that team. And then he followed that up with his, his next year. And he's the national Gatorade player of the year and he had a monster year for them. And he was ready to, to, to go crazy, you know, and he did. And so I just think, you know, there, there's, there's no reason to limit, or put a cap on the expectations that you have for him because uh, mentally he's able and ready to handle it, and I think physically and, and skill-wise he's he's got everything you could want. Um, you know, could he get stronger? Sure. Could he play better defense? Sure. Can he can he rebound better? Sure. But like those aren't the top three things on the list of why you're excited to have him or why you want him on your on your team. Um, the top three things are are. You know, finish in transition, be athletic, make outside shots, and and be you. And and he's really good at all of those things. So um, I, I think that there is 
there's no reason for people to um, limit their their ceiling or their expectations or their hopes for what Grady Dick can do this year because I think he is a uh, I think he's a a star in the making and I think he showed that last night and he did it in a very you know hey he was good and he had a, a couple of stretches where it was definitely him and his show but like the rest of the game he's not out there demanding the ball or to be seen. He's just playing Kansas basketball. So he's a, he's a, he's a nice piece to fit into anything. And, and uh, they're lucky to have him. And, and I know he's having a great time. Well, he is Matt Tate and we're lucky to have you join us here on RCST. You can check out all his work and uh, catch all the coverage with Bang. KU football, KU basketball crossing over at KU sports.com and in the LJ world, Matt, appreciate the time as always. You bet. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the uh, extended convo today. That's always fun. Sometimes I, I worry about how are we going to get to both, and, and uh, you did it. You did it with pure and beautiful class today. I'm just impressed every time. So wow. thanks for having me. Thanks wow. for the talk, and uh, yeah, we'll catch up again soon. All right, love all the compliments. That was Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World. Very gracious of Matt to uh, share that much time with us. Two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Lance Leipold Audio, next.